Good morning, Saturday morning. It's another opportunity to speak about the truth of God. We'll be back with you in just a moment. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Good morning, Sean. Good day. How are you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Well, this morning we're going to talk about a little bit more about uh, the subconscious, but um, from this perspective, more so on uh, ourselves and things that we've learned recently. Um, maybe a little bit of how we learn those things and just giving a little more insight into the journey of not only faith, but tied to that, uh, balancing the psychology of your mind and balancing your life to where you are able to have control in your life able to recognize that when you do something, you know exactly why you did it. You can't sit back and say, but somebody asked you, what'd you do that for? Well, I don't know. I don't know, just because. And we don't, as human beings, we don't do anything without a reason. And those reasons, a lot of times, are buried within our subconscious and again, the subconscious is the heart of a person. Uh, subconscious is that is what is below the surface, so you're not uh, consciously thinking of it. Um, and I don't know if people think that your subconscious is just, it just does what it does. It's just there. You're just not conscious of it, so you have no idea uh, that of how it got there, which is true to a point. A lot of people don't know how what got into their subconscious got there. Uh, it did not get there by somebody else putting it there. Nobody can put anything into your subconscious. Only you can accept it in your mind. And then through repetition, you put it into your subconscious. And your subconscious is a good thing. Uh, because it gives you the ability to do things without have, having to think through the whole process, and that's the whole concept of you learn a new you learn a new thing, and then you have to start to practice that. And the more you practice it, the more you get better at it, and then it just helps you to be able to uh, change what's in your subconscious. 
and or what goes in is through something you accept and then you practice it and it doesn't have to be something you like sometimes you can sign your mind to well that's just the way it is and so and every time it comes up well that's just the way it is well you're accepting that and then you're putting that in your subconscious and then at some point in your life something's going to happen and trigger that and it's going to come up and you're not going to know why there's no to you you're just like i don't know why i did that and a lot of times people in the end of an argument or or getting angry uh say or do something and then at the end of it they're like either they don't remember doing it or they can't they don't have any other idea of why they actually did it other than well you made me you made me you made me mad you made me sad you made me upset and we like to blame other people for our own mental condition and that's not the the way the human body is designed and the the uh, psychology of the human mind you're not designed that way that somebody else controls you you by for whatever reason determine that you're going to accept it whether you like it or not and it may be you feel the pressure that there's nothing i can do about this so i'm going to accept it well there is something you can do about it and that's take every thought captive to not just the thoughts as you're putting them in but the thoughts as they're coming back out you you have a thought to say something to somebody do you pause for a couple moments and say is this appropriate i uh, is it truth am i doing this because i'm just upset and i'm trying to i uh, defend myself so i attack you and so there's there's a lot within the subconscious that people have no idea about because it's it's again it's one of those things it's not taught unless you go to uh uh, take psychology classes um but even in those psychology classes they're not teaching you how to control your subconscious and to control your subconscious it takes a, a a long period of time for you to control it it's like you Sean when you played the trumpet when you first started out you couldn't control it but as you practiced then you got better and better at controlling the fingering for the the notes and how to uh, how much air and how to how to purse your lips and whatever the i don't know everything involved in it um but just the different things and as you practice more you increase more and then if you practice more with more intensity then you increase with more intensity if if you have somebody who practices once a week 
on anything, yes, they're going to learn things and they're going to grow, but they're not going to be able to grow as fast as somebody who is practicing it every day. And they're not going to be able to do it as good as somebody who's practicing it three times a day. Because the more practice you have in something, the better you get. That's the whole concept behind the, the saying, practice makes perfect. It's, it's the continual increase and improvement each time you practice. So every time you practice, you can increase. But you can also decrease if you're just not paying attention and, well, I'm just going to do my own thing. And, well, I don't think that note should be an A. I think that this one should be an A. So I'm going to switch it. And then you start playing, and you're not playing no uh, no good song because there's no distinction in the notes that make it uh, blend together and sound like it's supposed to. And so with the subconscious, what people need to understand is that's probably about, I would say, 75% or better of what you do in your life comes out of your subconscious. And we've talked about this before, the muscle memory. And so just uh, as we look into this, uh, I think it's important for people to know, or no, I know it's important for people to know that you have to be listening to yourself and knowing that you can change who you are because a lot of who people are are the person that they're, they're trying to become the person that they, they think they want to be instead of being the person that they actually are. And then in the midst of that, you have to make a decision that you want to be, you want to be like God. And so I'm going to do everything it takes to be like that. And then I'm going, the things I learn, I'm going to practice them. And the more I practice them, then the more I will get it into my subconscious. And this is why somebody might say, well, I want patience. And then a bunch of things happen in, uh, in succession. And they're like, ah, nothing's getting better because I, I, I wanted to be patient. Well, those are perfect times to practice patience, but you get in those. And if you don't, if you haven't set your mind that you're going to be patient, then you're not going to be patient. Because your mind has to be set in it, and then you have to be able to say, okay, this is a tough situation. This is one of those situations that uh, practice can be a part of. So I'm going to practice being patient in this struggle, in this hard time. I'm, I'm going to practice it. And each time a struggle comes up, no, I'm, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to stop and take a breath. Figure out something that, that will calm you enough to be able to. <sighs> and each time you do that, then as situations come up, you will see that because you program that in your subconscious, you will see that 
you are improving and getting better and you're not as quick to fly off the handle at somebody instead of, you know, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to, I'm going to hear this out. I'm going to evaluate it. And then I'm going to respond, not react because reaction is just you just doing something that's right off the cuff. And those are the times that you don't really know why you're doing it. Now, there are some times where you react and it is appropriate because you and your conscious mind know that this is in your subconscious. And a lot of times with safety issues and life safety issues, there's, there are people who will quickly respond without having to think deeply about it but that's programmed. It's called a programmed response. And even uh, you can respond in a rapid manner, but you want to program yourself that for it to be a response, it has to be understood and you have to know what you're doing in order that you can control it, not be out of control with it. And it's a fact that uh, frustration and anger, uh, they blind you in your conscious mind and then once you're blinded in your conscious mind then that which is greater which is the subconscious takes over and you say things that you shouldn't say you do things that you shouldn't do and the bible tells us that the uh, what comes out of the mouth is the overflow of the heart that's the overflow of your subconscious that what comes out of your mouth tells you about yourself if you are listening to yourself and that's the listening not hearing what i'm saying but listening to it and evaluating it is this is this true is this right is this good is this something i should be doing and then i make a decision based in that and so the again we're just drawing in from this perspective of the subconscious of the mind um and this comes up because we just had the uh, Passover celebration and uh, my daughter who did the last podcast had kind of explained how we, it was a little bit different this year. Yeah, I had some of us, uh, we, we were separated. Some stayed here, some went, and uh, but everybody uh, involved in the gathering celebrated the Passover. Uh, so it wasn't, it wasn't that, no, no, you don't have to celebrate it this year. No, we celebrate it and we talk about it because it's a necessary part of the faith journey. And I, I know that for all of us, even those that stayed here just by listening to Victoria when she spoke on the last podcast, that everybody got something from what y'all wanted and uh, we're going to speak a little bit about what we were able to see within our subconscious and just talk about it, uh, and we'll see where it goes. I'm going to go back to what you were talking about with the music aspect because I have a background studying music, and I play trumpet, have played trumpet in the past when I first started, when I was a beginner sitting in the beginning band room, 
it wasn't anything about my lower conscience at that point. It was just getting it in my mind first and step by step building a foundation, getting it into the, the subconscious because if we operate just out of the upper conscience, it's just going to be too difficult because I remember sitting there buzzing the mouthpiece before I even played the trumpet and then figuring out what the fingerings are, how to hold the trumpet, all these other things. And I wanted to jump to, well, I just want to play trumpet. I just want to sound like the high schooler, the middle schooler, and you're not able to jump ahead. You've got to go in the exact order. You've got to learn the foundational fundamental principles first in order to move forward. You've got to learn how to hold the trumpet. You've got to learn where to put your fingers on the valves, where you put your pinky finger. How do you make your, how do you form your lips? Then how do you get the sound out? Then how do you play the lower notes? Then how do you play the higher notes? How do you play them together? How do you play slow? How do you play fast? And it just speaks to me about the gospel message that there's the fundamentals where you have seeking God with all your heart and believing God and believing in God and repenting and walking in obedience and trust that you, you build on that to where you start from beginner to intermediate to advanced to collegiate to professional. And then it continues on because we never stop practicing. You can stop practicing, but the goal of faith is to continue to perfect. That's what we do is we're in the process of perfecting in what we do we get it into our upper conscience first so that we can then get it into the lower conscience where we build a good solid foundation of truth that we live by. And we've talked about this before you build a house, same thing. You have to, you start with the foundation first, then you build the structure, then you build and do the inside, the finishing work. So a lot of this stuff is so beautifully done. There's so many things that we can look at from, just doing things in the world that speaks to the gospel message and the, the foundation. Something that came to mind for me, Phil, I'll share this for the Passover was what I got to see for me was the transformation from death to life, going from being in sin, being in the flesh to being in the spirit where there's no longer any sin. Sin has been taken out of my heart. What I was discovering was the fact of the rest that is in the mind, the peace that's in the mind about, in Hebrews it mentions that there is a rest for the people of God, which ultimately is a freedom from the written code, which the written code brings wrath, it brings condemnation that in Messiah you can rest from the written code because you're no longer under condemnation and you can rest, that you no longer have a guilty conscience. So what I was able to see was to have some time where I was really in my mind, just experiencing and getting to really get heart knowledge of what that peace in mind is. And not that there was not work or evaluation, but just the getting to experience really what that rest in the mind is to really just rest my mind, relax and evaluate because many Passovers before I've had a physical ailment or something on my mind or something that was really weighing me down. 
they consume my mind. And this year was more of relaxing, taking a break from the things that I've been doing uh, in the world and really just focusing on being at peace and learning and getting to see that once you pass over from death to life, that in your mind, through the peace in the mind, that it is paradise, that you we can experience paradise here. Messiah mentioned paradise, which ultimately is Abraham's side. And the, the ultimate paradise is the kingdom of heaven when we all were able to enter together. But it was just to see that you can live this life. You can live here with circumcision of the heart, which is us embodying Christ, Christ in us, that we are Christ walking on the earth, that he walked at peace with his mother and father, just like we walk at peace. But that walking with peace is you still have things to evaluate and work on. And even Yah giving me information about, we had just talked about the fear of God, that the fear of the Lord, we carry that on our journey because without the fear of the Lord, we wouldn't continue to walk in repentance and walk in obedience and trust. And even seeing that I had been having more fear of, because you and I have a close relationship, me more having a fear of what you would say or what you would say to me doing something than having what God thinks and repenting of that and turning to God. And, you know, now I'm not, my focus is walking in fear of you and walking in what you think and putting aside what other people think. Now I don't ignore what people in the body of Messiah think I take that in, but my focus is not what other people in the world think about what I'm doing, but what does y'all think about what I'm doing, making sure that I'm living the faith that I have an increasing measure day by day. And just to seeing the difference from living where sin was my master and now the righteousness mother in me is Yah is my master, not sin anymore. And we'll continue to learn on that. And, and I got to just be closer to those in the gathering that have circumcision of the heart, have more conversation, get to know them better, um, meeting with those that are um, similar and then when we get back together with everybody else, we can talk about our experiences of why Yah did what they did. And so we can help and, and grow with each other. But in regards to the lower conscience, Phil, I wanted to bring this out. This is important. Yah is not going to accept any excuses on the day of judgment. Each person is going to have to stand before Yah and give an account for what they've done, either good or bad. And it came to mind as you were speaking earlier about if you don't know what you're doing and why you're doing it, it's not Yah's fault. It's not anybody else's fault. There is a reason for everything we do. Now, if we know the reason, that's one thing. But in order to have self-control, we must more and more understand why we do what we do and evaluate. And you said it correctly. You mentioned that take every thought captive. When you take the thought captive, you're able to evaluate what's the reason for this. What's the reason for this rise? What's the reason for this frustration that's coming up? Is it something that has to do with God and their truth? Is it something that is selfish, something that benefits me or how I look? Let me really think about what I'm doing. Let me control my mind so that is this the appropriate time to come out? Is it a time to wait? Because people cannot make us, 
do anything. We have to make the decision on what we're going to do. And people may say, well, no, that it was your fault. You made me do it or the devil made me do it. No, the enemy of God can work in your subconscious to trigger something, but you ultimately do it. Us where we are in faith that we have the ability now to be self-controlled through the help of mother within that we have the ability to take every thought captive and make it submissive to Messiah and make decisions based in truth and do this in ever increasing measure and, and learning. But the reason that Yah cannot be mocked is because no, you did what you did. There was a reason why you did what you did. You have free will and Yah is not to be blamed for anything because Yah made it to where we have the ability to choose and we have the ability to make our own decisions in faith or not in faith. So unless y'all would bring up something that they didn't make clear that we would have a reason to have an excuse, but there are no excuses that are going to be accepted because through creation, through the word, the invisible qualities of Yah have been made clear so that mankind is without excuse that we attempt to excuse something well, I didn't know that that was the law. I didn't know, but just because you didn't know it doesn't mean that you're excused. That all the qualities of God have been made clear from the foundation of the earth. That if we do something, it's up to us to understand why we do it. And that's why the position of where we are now and those that are on, on the journey of faith in God, that we have the opportunity to know what we're doing and there's such a greater peace when your lower conscience and your upper conscience, you know why you're doing it because you have a reason for doing it. You know why you're doing it. And in that way, that's where you're able to control yourself because if you don't know what you're doing, if sin is your master, then sin is the one that's in control and you'll do things that you don't even realize you're doing. I've seen this in the news here even recently They have the mass shootings and people will say, gosh, they were just, they seemed like such a good person. They seemed like they had everything in control and then just, I just didn't see it. I don't understand how somebody could just lose control like that. How does that happen? Well, it happens because people suppress things in their lower conscience. And it's just like the pressure cooker that if you don't have a release valve, that all of a sudden, all the frustration, all the resentment, everything is bottled up. And then just one day you get triggered and it, you blow your top and you're acting out of your lower conscience and your conscious mind. You're not recognizing what you're doing. You end up taking the lives of all kinds of people. And then once you come back to yourself and your conscious mind and realize what you've done, you feel the weight of that condemnation. And a lot of people, it's too much for them. And they, a lot of times, take their own life or do different things like that. But this is a huge aspect of the faith journey that in Messiah, we have the opportunity, or even before that, we have the opportunity to even get this in our conscious mind to really set that I'm going to realize that I have the ability by faith in Yah to actually know what I'm doing, know how to control it. And I'm going to walk in that aspect. I'm no longer going to make excuses and tell and blame other people that you're the reason why this happened. You're the reason why I'm having a bad day like that. Another job I worked at, somebody had a, a placard on their desk that says, I'm having a great day. Don't ruin it. Well, 
the determination of a good day is based in each other's individual mind. And if you let somebody ruin your day, then you allowed them to ruin your day. Somebody could attempt to ruin your day, but your day could be absolutely fine and you can be at peace because I'm not going to let somebody influence me and make my day have a bad day because in Messiah, every day is a great day. Everything for me now is a blessing and I'm going to see everything now as a blessing in increasing measure. I'm going to be looking for those things. So the passing over from death to life, the story of the Passover has so many layers and is so deep that even with this, that you pass over from the sin nature to the godly nature. And now we're walking in the godly nature. And now we scope out the land and need to see, okay, this is a good land. How am I going to live in it? Well, living in a godly land means you're self-controlled, you're patient, you're kind, you walk in love. So those were the thoughts that I had. I, I really enjoyed this past week. I for I would say the first time that I've actually had time where just had such a greater peace and just continuing to learn how to walk in that uh, rest of God. And truly to be able to do these things, you, you have to have God helping. Now, again, like you said, and, and this is true, you can in your uh, worldly life from worldly things, you can make different changes, make things, <clears throat> um, and actually people do, uh, you, you, you can and you do change things when you have the want and the will to do it. But as it pertains to sin in the world, you cannot do it without God. You can change worldly things within yourself, but you cannot change the things that will make you better for God. And one of the biggest fallacies, one of the biggest lies that people have bought into that is a detriment in this because it's buried in your subconscious is that I'm a good person. Because in reality, if I have a body of flesh I'm not a good person, even though I'm in a place where I uh, do not sin at this point, I still does, that does not make me a good person. What makes me good is walking in the righteousness of Messiah, walking as he did. And so that's one of the biggest things is you cannot be good. You cannot be truly be functional for God in this life without God. And because anything else that you're quote unquote good at will not matter in the end anyway, as you're burning in the eternal abyss. So it's really important that we stop thinking that, yeah, I'm doing good. I'm good. It's like Paul, I uh, follow me as I follow the example of Christ. And it's not I who do it. It's Christ in me that, Without Christ in me, I would not be able to do the things that I've been able to do. I would not be able to understand the things I'm able to understand because it's truly, it's Christ in me, mother in me, Abba in me. It's all the, those things together. But you have to have, in order to change things in your 
in your life, in your subconscious, whether from a worldly or faith perspective. And again, if you're going to do it from a faith perspective, it has to entail God. If you're going to do that, you have to have want, will, determination, and doing. Okay, just wanting something is not good enough. Just having the will to do something is not good enough. You have to want it beyond anything else. And then you have to have the will that you're going to achieve what you set your mind to. And you're not going to stop or quit anywhere along the way. And then you're you're willing to do the actions necessary. Too many people want to have faith in God or want to change something in their life, but they don't have the, the will where the will from the perspective of it's my will against yours and I will win. Okay. That's where your mindset has to be in any situation other than God. Because when it comes to a battle of wills between you and God, if your will is God's will, then you will win. But if your will is not God's, I don't care who you are or what you think you're doing, how good you think it is, you will lose. You will not override God. And though some people have the perception in this world that they've overridden God uh, because they're not walking the way that he wants them to do or doing what they want him, what they would have you do, doesn't mean that it's going to all come full circle, whether you see it in this life or you see it in the uh, final judgment. And so it's really important that you have to have a determination that you're going to figure it out. And in that determination, I'm going to continually lean on God, trust God, ask them for help, show me, because you can't, some of these things you can't see, your mind builds walls and your mind builds walls so well that you yourself can't tear them down by yourself. And a lot of times is because you don't even see where the walls are because you don't understand what's in your subconscious and how it works. And then you can't uh, overcome anything because of the condition that you're in. But the objective goal in this, and I'll get into what some of the stuff that I've learned or am learning over, you know, from this Passover. And the objective is, is that we learn something new every time there's a Passover so that we can cross over from whatever that is to the good side to, because something's being brought to our attention that we didn't see, that we didn't know, uh, that we were doing or we were carrying out. And wow, I didn't recognize that I'm going to change it. And then, but you can't change it if, if it's just, well, well, I have God, so it's going to be done. So God's will is greater than anybody else's, so it's going to be done. No, you have to combine your will with God's will in order for you to accomplish those things from a faith and spiritual perspective, to be able to understand who you are, what your life is, why you do what you do, why you hang out with the people you hang out with, why why you have the likes that you like, sometimes you don't, or a lot of times you don't know those things 
because you've gradually programmed that into your subconscious without thinking about it. And then later on when it comes out, you don't know why it, why it happened or why, I mean, can you really say why you like the uh, specific type of car you like? Because somebody else, you could ask two people, what is the, the, the best car if you could have any car, what would it be? And yeah, you'd have some people that would answer the same, but most people, it would be different answers. And if it was the same, there would be a different reason behind why somebody might think the car is cool where the other person thinks it's fast. The other person, you know, the, the other person thinks it handles well or whatever. There's varying different reasons in it. And you have a reason why you do everything. There's, there's going to be no excuse before God. And so with the help of God, this is where when you want something to change, have faith in God and cry out for insight, call aloud for understanding, and then seek it out as though you're seeking for hidden treasure. That's somebody who has the will to want to change something, whether it be in a worldly perspective or in a godly faith perspective. You have to have that crying out. No, I want to know. I want, I want to see these things so I can change them instead of God change my heart. You change my heart. So, and one, God's not going to change your heart. You have to change your heart. You have to decide where that change is going to take place. And are you going to be like Pharaoh who was trying to battle the will of God against his will. And who lost in the end of that? It, it was Pharaoh lost big time. Why? Because he was, his will was going against the will of the one true almighty God. And you will fail every time you try to go against the will of God, whether you see it, you may think you've achieved it, but you haven't. And so you have to have that grit and determination that I'm going to figure this out. But in order for me to figure it out, I have to be able to see what I can't see. And some of the things I can't see because I've built walls so strong that I can't knock them down. I can't even see over the wall to start knocking it down. I don't know how to knock it down. But if I go to Yah, then Yah says, okay, let me pick you up. Let me hold you above the wall and let you look into that room and you see what's in there. Then if you have a heart after God's heart and it doesn't line up with God, then you make a determine a determination in your mind with a determined effort that you're going to break that wall down. So you find the sledgehammer and you start just piece by piece. You start breaking away until you break that wall down so you can actually deal with the situation on the other side of the wall. You, you've got to go into a labor-intensive process before you go into a labor-intensive process. So you have to go through the process of tearing the wall down, and then you have to go through the process of emptying the room and then filling that room with something that is good and right and fair. And you'll build that wall back up, but you'll build it with a door in it. 
a door that gives you access that you know the door is there so I can get into that room and I can use that when I need it because it's right, it's fair, it's just, it's from God. And so these are important things that people need to know that you don't have to go take psychology in a classroom to understand the psychology of the mind. No, you learn from God. You, you decide you want God to teach you about these things. Then you have to want it and you have to be willing to do whatever it takes to understand it. And a lot of times the biggest problem we have is we don't want to face ourselves because it's difficult. It's not easy at times to be able to see, but with faith, there's a driving determination that I want to see the things that I don't see because one, I want to make sure they line up with the truth of God. And if they don't, I'm going to remove them. And so I cry out to God for insight, call out for understanding. And then I start searching for them. Then when the wall is too thick, too uh, and too high for me to be able to see behind it, that crying out for insight, God says, okay, let me lift you up and let me let you look in so you can see it. But then they'll put you right back down on the same side of the wall you were. And okay, what are you going to do with it? Because that's what determines whether you really want to get rid of it or not, or whether you're just going to, well, it's just, that's just going to be too hard. And I, I, I don't want to have to go through all that work to do it. Well, then you're not going to have faith in God because faith in God has been perceived in the world as being something easy. And it is not at all because it entails all this stuff we're talking about. And so with this aspect, um, I continually ask God through conversation and relationship with them that they would uh, continue to reveal things to me. And as time goes on, things continually get revealed. I get to look into a wall and one of those uh, this weekend was, uh, or this week for the Passover that was revealed to me is the fact of a lot of times without me knowing it, I will voice, strongly voice an opinion, an opinion about something. And it may be true, but I'm voicing it to you to try to get you to accept it. So I'm trying to convince you through this uh, opinion that I have that you need to do something different. And it doesn't matter if it's true or not. What matters is it's not my objective goal and it should not be for me to convince you because if I convince you, then you don't have that discovery that we talk about. And if you don't have the discovery, then you just have head knowledge of it. You don't have heart knowledge. And it was interesting because without knowing that I, I was doing that from time to time, as I was taking a walk with my wife and I was thinking about various different things, this came to mind from the aspect of offering opinions. She, she said something uh, that I had said, gosh, this has been several years ago and how it affected her. And then as we continued to walk, we were talking some, but as we were talking, Yah was uh, allowing me to see in my mind 
just flashes from different areas and different people that I would make an opinion because I want you to do what I'm what I'm thinking, even if it's true, again, not appropriate. I want you to do what I'm thinking because I think that this is this is what's best for you. When did I become better than God for what's best for you? And so in this faith journey, uh, still learning that I'm not the end all, God is. And even if I know something's true, I'm not going to try to convince you. Therefore, I'm not going to uh, outwardly or strongly suggest something or, well, I had this situation and I did this in hopes that, well, you'll, you'll, you'll do what I said. And a lot of people in the past have done what I've said. It doesn't make it right because it's not about me and what I say. It's about God and what they say. And if I say something, I don't care who you are. You should take it to the evaluation of God first and what God thinks about it and what you should do with it in accordance to them, not in accordance with me. And uh, this was something that I've done, not with intention, but it was programmed into my lower conscience that I'm going to uh, convince you. And so I say things without realizing that I'm trying to convince you. And I didn't consciously know that I was trying to convince people of things until Yah showed me and I was allowed to look into that area. And so now that I've seen it, uh, I've got the sledgehammer and I'm, I'm listening more to myself, paying attention more to when I'm going to say something that is opinion and is this, am I voicing this just as a Socratic perspective or am I voicing this because I want you to follow and do what I'm telling you to do? And again, I will revert back to what uh, Paul said, follow me as I follow the example of Messiah. Well, in order for you to do that, you can listen to what I say, but ultimately you're going to do with it what you do because of how it lines up with God and what God tells you to do with it, not what Phil tells you to do with it or not what anybody else does, because that's the objective goal is that we're uh, in tune with God. And I shouldn't expect you to just take what I say and believe it rather than, well, I'll take it into evaluation and consideration. And then I'll ask y'all what they want me to do with it. And then do whatever Yah tells you to do. And it, it and then after that came to mind, then I was able to, not in every situation, but in other situations happening as we were there at Passover, being able to see uh, and catch before I said something that, now this is an opinion I'm not going to, say that, or I'm trying to convince this person that they need to do something. And so I'm not going to do that. Uh, and it's important because 
one, you have to recognize when you are influential. When, when you influence other people and how you influence them will determine, will be determined by whether you have faith or not. And are you influencing them from a good perspective or a bad perspective? Are you trying to influence them to be like you so you feel comfortable that there's somebody like you? Or are you trying to influence them to be godly and you be godly and you both will be of the same family, the same aspect? So, and it, and it is, I mean, and when I, when these things come to my attention, it's not like, oh my gosh, it's like, wow, that's another, you know, at this place in my faith journey, I'm like, wow, I didn't see that. I didn't recognize that's what I was doing. But now that I do, now I have an opportunity to change what I'm doing by digging into my subconscious, breaking down those walls and then figuring out how to work through it and make it for the good rather than the bad. And we can do this with tragedy and trauma that's happened in your life. It could have been negatively affecting you your whole life, but through a process of, of controlling your mind, you recognize that this tragedy, yes, it brought some pain to you, but tragedy and trauma also uh, build strength in people. The determination is whether, is it good strength? Is it strength that's being used for the kingdom of God in a good perspective? Or is it strength that's building selfishness and uh, getting selfish gain which way are you using it? Are you using it for the right or for the wrong? Because we, we really need to be able to see these things. And when I see them now, in the past, I would have beat myself up over it when I was under the law. It was like beating myself up because why are you doing these? You, you know you shouldn't be doing this. And, but now uh, in the, the journey getting to the point where it's like, wow, I didn't recognize that. Now I recognize it. I'm going to change it. And then I set on a journey of changing the behavior and the intricate things within the uh, mind that are necessary to be able to make those changes. And again, I, this is something that has just been revealed to me. And so I'm starting the process of breaking down the walls. And so if I stop practicing, I stop looking for where I'm doing this. I will just continue to do it. And then it will go, those holes that I made in that wall will just close right back up. And you have to be determined that, no, I'm going to get this wall down. I'm going to go into this aspect of making opinions or even it doesn't even have to be an opinion. You can strongly speak the truth with the pretense of trying to get somebody to do the same thing. And this is the same thing uh, that falls in it as well with what I've done is I'm telling you the truth of something. So you should do it this way in thinking that in the mind. 
And really, we should be speaking more truth than opinion. If we do speak opinion, we make sure that it's it's uh, stated as opinion. Uh, but even in the process of stating the opinion or the truth, let's make sure we're not stating the truth because I'm trying to convince you. I'm trying to get you to make a change because I told you what the truth was rather than, no, this is the truth. You'll have to deal with God, so you do whatever you want with it. But don't change anything because I said so. I shouldn't change anything because you you said so. If you say something, evaluate it. And there were a couple times where I made a comment on, on something uh, this past week, and you brought it out. Is that opinion? Is that opinion? And... It's good because there's good to have accountability from the outside, which gives you just that much more strength and determination. Well, I don't want you to see it, so, or I don't want you to have to tell me about it because I want to be digging into it to figure it out. So if I don't want you to tell me, then I got to dig in deeper so that I can see it before you do. But there's going to be times where I don't see it and I need that uh, little bit of a reminder. But the objective is, whenever you speak, don't try to convince others. And I had been doing that without realizing it. And part of the persona that I, that I have grown to, and, well, a lot of people have it. It's just not necessarily predominant, is that uh, being influential. Because... You have to, you can be on a steady course of influential, or you can be momentarily influential. You you can have moments here and there where you influence. And I looked into this a little bit because I was like, I really don't understand what it is that makes me influential, because people will will do as I do without me even saying something and just a, just a simple example. I noticed this a couple years ago, uh, when we were at the beach and I noticed that every time I went into the ocean and it didn't happen every single time, uh, somebody went in the ocean, but every time with our group that I went into the ocean, that's when everybody else went in. And if I got tired out there and I got out of the ocean, everybody else got out of the ocean and, that was one of those times where Yah was showing me that be careful what you do, be careful what you say, be careful how you do it and how you say it, especially in uh, accordance with faith, because do you see that these people are following you? They're, they're looking up to you. So make sure that what you're doing is from a right perspective. And that was a huge eye opener for me was just, I not not really thinking about it or looking at it and realizing that for some reason and I couldn't I don't figure out exactly what it was uh but I looked into it and really influence comes with confidence so if you are confident in something then you have the ability to influence somebody in that because of your confidence in it. But there's also a place of influence with confidence that 
you can be confident in something that's not true. And so you will influence people in the wrong perspective. A lot of times we like to put influence to a positive perspective, but it has a negative perspective as well. You know, I'm confident that we're going to rob this bank and we're not going to get caught. And I'm, I'm going to get these people and they're going to come with me. And, and I'm, I'm just showing them that I'm not afraid of anything. And I'm, and then they like, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. All right. Because of your confidence, but that confidence drew somebody into a negative perspective where we want it to be a positive perspective. And so being confident and here's what I see that is, is great is that the confidence I have in God and in faith is tremendous, but that doesn't mean because I have that confidence, I'm going to influence you because there's another piece of influence. That's not just in confidence. That piece uh, is acceptance. You have to accept what I'm saying, whatever the, the situation, whatever the, uh, whatever I'm telling you about, you have to be convinced that you accept it. Then I can influence you when you've accepted it. If you haven't accepted it, I can't influence you because that becomes your will against mine and your will for you will always override my will for you. Even if, if my will for you is good, your will's going to override it because it's, it's, you're the one that controls the will in your mind. And if you happen to do something that I convince you to do, it's because you were convinced that it was that you should do it. And you don't even see that, well, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. You know, let me evaluate. Is this really true with Yah? And that's the thing for me. I want people to be influenced by my life of faith, but I want them to verify that influence through the word of God, through conversation with God, that they're verifying that what's being said is right, what's being said is true, and then they choose whether they're going to accept it or reject it and then move on. And so one if you want to be influential to people from a faith perspective that are going to want to accept it, you have to have confidence in the truth that you speak, but make sure it's truth. Cause there's a lot of people that are leading people astray because their confidence is what in what they think they know, not in what they know with absolution. And if you want to feel good, then you're going to go along with that. And you're going to be like, yeah, yeah, I agree, because that makes me feel good. And so someone influences you without you knowing that they it was a negative influence just because it felt good, it would be just because it lined up with what you like. And the reality for me is I don't want to influence people if it's not the truth of God. I don't want to do that. And when I influence people, I want them to, one, ex accept the truth of God, recognize it's the truth of God, and then let me be an influence.
if what I'm doing doesn't line up with God, then don't let me influence you. And of course, for me, the objective goal is to have confidence in what I know is true and stop having confidence in what I think I know is true. And your words will tell on yourself. You, you, when you make statements, you're talking about something and you want to disagree with somebody. You don't say, a lot of times you don't say, no, you're wrong. You say, well, you're wrong and because I think that this is the way it is. And this might be that way. And you use words that are not absolute. Why? Because you're, you're covering yourself. Because if someone uh, finds out that you were wrong and they bring it back to you and then you're like, well, I didn't say that. Yes, you did. You're, you're just trying to protect yourself because you spoke inappropriately. Well, yeah, but I said I think. I didn't say that's the way it was. And that's like when Messiah spoke and it says he spoke as one who had authority. That's how he spoke was with absolution. He didn't speak in questions. He spoke in absolution. And this doesn't mean that just because you speak in absolution that you have it right. This means that we want to know the truth of God. Make sure we know it. Make sure it lines up with what the word says. We have conversation with God about it. Let them show us. Let them work it through in our lives. And then we can work that out to others and influence others by being confident in what we do and doing what we say. That that is the, the key to being a good influential perspective is making sure it's true, making sure it's right, and making sure the way you're doing it is right. Then if somebody accepts that, then they can take it to Yah and figure out how, figure out how to work it through within their life. I would say 100% that you'll know this term and people will know this. You've heard the term driving under the influence. When you were speaking about influential, I thought about that, that you have to accept the alcohol and know that what it can do to you. And this is just an example of influence. You could put it to any other things, but I thought about this. Now I'm not going to negate the fact that somebody that hasn't um, had an instance of drinking alcohol that, that they get, let's just say pulled over for driving. They may not have drank that much and not realize it, but people that get multiple DUIs or driving while intoxicated that you have to accept the fact that this could happen again, but you're willing to accept the consequence or think that you are because you want the feel good. You want that whatever feeling you get from driving under the influence of that alcohol. And it's going to influence you because some, some people you have a high tolerance for alcohol. Some have a low tolerance, but there's going to be some influence. There's some effect by taking in that alcohol and you can allow people to influence you. You can allow alcohol to influence you. You can allow what people have told you in the past influence you. Each person makes their own decision. So every person will be able to influence somebody else, but it just depends on, like you said, how confident you are with it. So I was just sitting there thinking about, well, if I allow 
somebody to influence me, I can allow somebody not to influence me. Like we can change from being where we have sin as our master versus Yah as our master to where before we didn't allow Yah to influence us, now we allow Yah to influence us. It's just a, a change of mind. <clears throat> wanted to bring this out. If you could just briefly, and then I've got something I'm going to speak. Could you explain the aspect of building the walls? Because that's something that we haven't really talked about specifically that if somebody kind of hearing that, like, what does that mean when you build walls uh, in your mind? Because a lot, a lot of this is it's because of your experiences and ju- just speak briefly about that. Well, I'll, I'll just speak to it. What I know from what we've learned from Yah on the aspect of building a wall and just building walls in your mind isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's not wrong. Um, building a wall without a door, that's hiding something. Building a wall with a door you have the door there so that at the appropriate time you can open that door and allow that to come out and then close the door and that's being in control of your mind. But the way that you build walls, whether it's got a door in it or not, is you build walls through repetition, through brainwashing and mind control, through something is said or something is done and you accept it. You you agree with it. And then... The next time it happens, you agree with it again. And then the next time it happens, you agree with it a little bit more. And then you keep agreeing with it. And each time you agree with it, you place a block in that or a stone or whatever. You you place that in the wall. Every time you go over it. And each time you add another layer or level to it. And... Uh, a lot of times people don't realize that they're building a wall without a door because I don't want this to bother me, but I'm trying to figure out how to deal with it. So I'm just going to wall it off. I'm going to put these emotions and these feelings over here on the other side of the wall. And part of the problem is, is if somebody tries to, if somebody comes in and they, they do something that actually knocks that wall down and you see it, it's just too overwhelming. You can't, you've got to get a peek at it and then decide if you want to get rid of it or not. But pertaining to the building of the walls, whether good or bad walls, whether walls with uh, a prison perspective or walls with a door perspective, uh, all those walls are built by the repetition of situations of similarity that happen for you to build that wall on that situation. And you spend your whole life not even realizing it, that you're building all these walls, some prisons to keep those thoughts so you don't have to think about them, and then other ones that you can access because it makes you feel good or because you like it or whatever the aspect is. But from the the psychology of the mind perspective, when we talk about building walls, you are block by block, brick by brick, stone by stone, Whatever you're using, every time a situation happens, you let it in and then, well, I'm accepting this, but I don't like it. Okay, this is one where I'm building a wall with no door because I want to imprison that thought so that I don't have to think about it. Yeah, it's just just a, um, it came to mind to ask you that because I know for me that I will say things 
that'll come out of my lower conscience that I'll know, but then you'll go to somebody else and well, you know, they'll get it because they'll understand what building a wall is. And just to bring more detail that we, we all do this. And it made me think of the, the self-control as you're building walls and you're building doors into where there's times where you'll go to visit that and then shut the door. Just like in your house, you have it all organized where you're not going to go in your basement all the time. So you're not going to wall it up because then you can't ever get in the basement again. It's, it's, you go in and everything is in its proper place. And then I shut the door and then, all right, well, this is rising up. So I'm going to go there and then I'm going to go back. So it just came to mind, just like a house that if you wall off your rooms here, you can't get into them again. So be careful how you build, just like it says in the word, be careful how you build on your faith, you know, make sure you're building a good structure with gold and, and precious stones, things like that. I had this come to mind. This is an important concept with this. And we mentioned this before on a prior podcast and just for the circular, it's going to come out again. And I actually had this just out in the yard yesterday evening. This thought came to mind, was thinking about it. How many people assume that, well, when you come to what they perceive as faith, you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, that God does everything, that Messiah has paid it all. Like we, we've heard this term, well, Messiah, he paid it all. So he's paid everything. He's done everything. All you need to do is accept and God will take care of it. And it made me think of a, a football team and a, a head coach versus the players. Well, you have the head coach that you could look at like, yeah, that they're in charge of the operation. They're in charge of the other coaches. They're in charge of the players. But the head coach does not get on the field and play the snaps. The head coach does not play quarterback and offensive line. That They don't do the work for you. They give you everything that you need to do the work, but they will do what you're not. What came to mind for me was, is that Yah will do what you're not able to do. They will not do what you are able to do. And, and here's what came to mind was that look at the things in the word of God on what God has done for people and what God expects of others. All right. So we even have at the beginning of the podcast, Proverbs chapter two, and it goes along with this and it says, My son, if you accept my words and you store up my commands within you. All right, so first you have to accept in your conscious mind. Then it can get into your lower conscience, store up my commands within you. And that also speaks to the upper conscience, but it came to mind that you do your part first. You accept my words first. You store up the commands within you. Then you call aloud for insight, call aloud for understanding. Then... I will give you what you're asking for. God doesn't say, I'm going to give you all this information and then you accept it and then you store it within you. We do our part first. And I was thinking back to, can't remember the exact story, but a battle in the word, maybe it's Gideon, something like that, where he was the one that had to go out and actually go into battle. But then God took care of what he was not able to do, that they were fighting but then God threw the people into confusion. So it wasn't that God says, okay, I'm just going to do all of this. You don't do anything. No, they had to have faith first to accept what God was going to do. They did their part, just like our part in faith that we repent to Abba. Then he will repent to us. He'll turn to us. We obey God. Then they will ultimately obey us when we ask them for things according to their will. Circumcision of the heart, Yah says, you circumcise your heart, which means you change your upper conscience, which you can change. 
and then I'll do what you can't do. You're not able to do, you're not able to remove sin from your lower conscience. My beloved, she will do that, but you've got to do your part before I'm going to step in. And it made me think that we work together with Yah, but Yah does not step in and say, okay, I'm going to do all of this for you because then we would have an excuse. Well, God, you're supposed to, I thought you were supposed to be doing all this for me. Well, you know what? I am. So therefore you have an excuse, but there are no excuses because Yah has given us the tools. Just like you mentioned with that sledgehammer. Well, you get the sledgehammer from Lowe's or Home Depot or a hardware store, but you've got to buy the sledgehammer and you've got to use it. If you just buy a sledgehammer and you just set it on the ground and yeah, I'm going to do that wall. No, you've got to pick up the sledgehammer and you've got to beat against the wall or the hammer or whatever materials it is. And I just know from this that so many times I thought, well, why doesn't God do this? Why doesn't God do that? And God could look at me and say, well, why aren't you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Do your part so that then I can step in and do the part that, that I'm going to do. And it's just, I just found it interesting that people may think that, well, I thought that I accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior and that God was supposed to do everything. I thought that I was supposed to have peace and joy and everything was just going to get simple. People even expect God to do that. Well, I'll pray to God and then God will do all this, this miraculous healing. And we could look at it and God would look at us and say, well, if you want this miraculous healing, then you do what's necessary in order to obtain the healing that you're asking for. So, so much of it at times we'll put it on God to do everything. Like you said, this came to mind. You said, God changed my heart. And God would look, y'all would look at us and say, that's something I cannot do. I cannot change your heart. Even David, it said that David was one that was, had a heart after Yah's own heart. Well, here's the thing. That attitude is, that's the heart that I want. And I'm going to go after and figure out how to get that heart. Cause you notice in his wording, he says, I'm going to have a heart after God's own heart. Like I'm going to go after that. I'm going to go seek that out and figure that out. It's not that God says, okay, here, David, here's the heart. It's all here for you. No, if you make a statement that I want a heart after God's own heart, well, yeah, you want it, but I'm going to have a heart after God's own heart. That's the way you're going to, that's the will to say, that's what I want. And that's what I'm going after that. I'm going to have a heart after God's own heart. Okay. Well, what do I need to do to change my heart in order to line it up with God's? Well, the word of God tells you that God will give you the help and the insight when you ask for it. But it, it came to mind just to, to speak about that we have a part to do and y'all will do their part that, that God will not fail. It's our responsibility to figure out what is it that God wants us to do because they'll do what they say they're going to do. They, they, whatever they have in mind, they'll do it. But a lot of it is they want us to rely on them and trust in them so that, Hey, do your part and just watch what we'll do once you do your part as well. So this is a, a lot of times they can be looked at as, well, God is doing everything. Well, God will show me. Yeah, God will show you, but then, okay, there's the tool. Go ahead and, and you do the labor that's necessary because we have a, in the word of God, a beautiful scripture about this. And Abba says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal the land. 
And people may say, well, God, why aren't you healing my land? Well, have you humbled yourself and prayed and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways? Because you can be absolutely guaranteed if you're doing that, then Yah is healing your land because God um, will not lie, that they are true and fair. So they will do what they say they're going to do. But so much of the time, I just know this for me, is that you get caught up and you you get have moments of, well, I just don't understand. Like, why is this happening? Well, but figure out your part in it because God is going to be right in what they're doing. But it's our responsibility at times to figure out what is it for me to learn in this? Because God is not wrong. The word of God is not wrong. What, what can I do to change the situation? Well, really, it's me changing. Um, because Yah says that they're unchanging and what they've done, they've set into motion. They are perfect. We are not perfected yet. And this is a term that's in the world that in my mind, I've changed this to where the, the world says practice makes perfect. And what comes to my mind is practice is perfecting. Because you practice anything, you're in the process of perfecting it. You cannot perfect something that you don't practice. It doesn't just sit there. If it just sits there, then it decays. In order to perfect, you have to continually work on something and practice it over and over again. If you're a football player, basketball player, you practice dribbling, you practice shooting, you practice rebounding. Why? So that because you're looking for, I want to get it exactly right all the time. Well, that mindset of getting it exactly right is you want to be perfect in it, but the only way to continually get better to get to that that goal in your mind of doing it exactly right, it's got to be done in a repetitious manner and done in a repetitious manner that's functional, that's like if you're taught how to dribble a basketball, you don't want to practice dribbling in a way that's dysfunctional. You want to practice in a way that's that's accurate so that the more you do it right over and over again, then the more you would do it right over and over again. And and that's the thing with faith is it's a process of practice and repetition, but make sure that we are practicing in a repetitious way that is the right way. According to the word of God, we don't want to practice something that's incorrect because then we get that programmed in and then we'll wonder why do we keep doing things in an appropriate way? Because that's what's been practiced over and over again. Well, just because somebody's influential does not make them good, does not make their purpose good. Because we can look at Hitler, and he was very influential to those that agreed with him, those that accepted what he was doing, what he was saying, why he was doing it. Uh, So he was very influential, but it was from a, a bad perspective, just like how influential were the Pharisees? <clears throat> Same thing. Well, how influential is how influential is Christianity in influencing people and stuff that they really truly don't know, but they convince you because they're confident of the lie that they convince you that this is this is the way it is without you telling you you make sure you go to the bible and you evaluate what i'm saying you dig in and you figure it out for yourself because i can't be i can't be it or do it for you and because in reality the influence that christianity has is the same influence that the pharisees had when they were going against messiah that They didn't know what they were talking about, but they were convinced that they knew what they were talking about. 
And that's why they so confidently went after Messiah. Like we're going to, we'll, we'll trick him. We'll, we'll teach him. We'll, because they had that confidence. They influenced a lot of people against Messiah, but with, and let me not, but, but when you are influencing people of a lie because it feels good or whatever reason you're doing it. The, and this, the, the thing is, is that the people that are doing this don't realize that they're influencing people of a lie. They're convinced that this aspect of Christianity is true and accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. And this is why that, that they would have the cognitive dissonance because they are convinced in their mind they've accepted a different gospel than the one Paul preached. And if you show them in the Bible where what they're doing is contrary to what Paul preached and what the Bible says, they will ignore and reject whatever you say unless they have a heart that they want to know the truth, no matter how it affects them. And then they can look into it and evaluate and say, wow, the, the, what they're perceiving as church today doesn't even look like the church that Messiah started. doesn't even look like the church that Paul and Peter and James and John were, were teaching and preaching to. And so this is the thing that we want people to look into and say, you're being influenced by somebody somehow. And a lot of it, you don't even know that you're being influenced. And if you are, you don't know that what you're being influenced is true or false. You're just accepting man's telling you that this is the truth of God and uh, and the expectation that you're just going to believe what I say and you're not going to question me because I'm, I, I've been to seminary or I've done this or I've done that. And it's like, no, you're, you're forgetting about Messiah's words in Matthew 24 when he spoke about many believing the lie. Many that are going to have faith in him or, or perceive faith in him, but they're going to abandon the faith. Why? Because it's going, the abandonment of the faith is going to put them in a position to hear the things that their itching ears want to hear that, Oh, everything's going to be okay. It's going to work out in the end. Uh, God's in control. And, uh, they, they go into all these promises God makes telling you that you have these promises without you actually fulfilling the stipulations to receive the promise. And again, they don't do it with intention. They do it because they are convinced because of what they accepted. And again, this is the exact same reason you build walls in your subconscious because you will accept things even if they're wrong and you shouldn't accept them. You accept them for some reason of maybe self-preservation or I. Uh, I don't like this, but this is the way it is. Well, if you say that or you can sign that in your mind, you've just agreed to it. Whether you like it or not, you've agreed to it. And because you've agreed to it, it goes into your subconscious. And But I don't like that, so I'm building a wall around it. And every time that situation comes up, you build that wall. 
And again, I don't want to put out the perception that uh, Christianity is doing what they're doing with the intention. No, unfortunately, they've accepted a gospel other than the one Paul preached, other than, than the one that Messiah left here when he left, when he parted from this life. They're believing another gospel, and the Bible proves that. And if they have conversation with God, it proves it. And their conviction of knowing that what they're doing is wrong proves it. But because they've accepted the other gospel, then that's the one that they're going to believe is true, even when it's not. And this is why it's so important that before you accept something, Make sure it's right, good, fair, true, and just. Then accept it. But don't do it with on the words of man. Don't do it because Phil and Sean said. Do it because the word of God says. And it's backed up by the word of Abba who says. And it's backed up by mother. And it's backed up by the life of Messiah of what he lived. And so you have that great cloud of witnesses in Yah that will give you that approval. But when you're just giving people things just to make them feel good and make it, you know, somebody's in the hospital and, well, everybody's praying and everybody's praying and everybody's doing this and, and, oh, praise God, this is this and praise God that, that this happened. And, but make sure, make sure you pray about this and make sure you pray about that instead of, No, let me find one righteous person, one truly righteous person, have them pray one time and then leave it in the hands of God. Why do I have to beg God over and over and over and over for things instead of trusting that the word of God says that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. So find that righteous man, let him pray for that person, and then let God do his work. But that prayer should not be for what any individual person's will is. But God, what is your will in this situation? That's what I'm going to pray about. I'm going to pray that your will be done, not mine. That I may want a different outcome, but I want your will to be done. And all it takes is the prayer of one righteous person. God is not a God that you sitting there begging him over and over is going to sway him into doing what you want because that's why we do it is because you want a different outcome and you're doing it. But let's look at an example of this, who, of somebody who did that, David, with the child born of the adultery that was uh, that took place between Bathsheba and David. The baby was, God told David that because of what you did, the baby's going to die. And David did that, that begging God, just, just please, please, please don't, don't, please, please don't, please don't. And in the end, didn't change God's mind on the fact. I, I have determined this and I will not relent that, This is your fault. This is your problem. This isn't mine. You caused this. You were the one that had the adultery that brought this child into the world. It's not God's fault that David did that. It's not God's fault that the the child died for that. No, that's on David. But that's the thing. Did all his begging and pleading with God 
do any good in that situation? No. No. Ask God, God, whatever it is according to your will, let that be done. Not my will, not what I think, not what I want. Let your will be done, and then I'm going to trust that whatever the outcome is, it fell within your will. That, that I'm not going to tie myself down by sitting there and having to uh, just uh, beg God for what I want. No, I'm going to state to God that I want your will to be done. Yes, God, from a human perspective, this is what I would like to see. But no, let your will be done, not mine, just like Messiah in the garden. If there's another way, then, but if not, it, it's all about you. It's about your will. And again, if he hadn't, uh, if he hadn't died, we wouldn't be able to have the faith that we have. And it's, it is truly a shame because it is the cognitive dissonance that holds people back from any. It's not just faith. If When you're convinced of something in your life, you're convinced that something is a specific way, then you're, you're not going, unless you open your mind to evaluate, to make sure what you're following is true, you're not going to see it. You're not going to find it. You're not going to understand it. There's a concept of you have to be willing to figure out what the truth of God is no matter what you've already been taught, no matter how it affects you, you want to know the truth. And in that, that will open you up that when you see in the Bible where it says that this is what you should do and Christianity is telling you a different story or they're telling you that God's going to change your heart or whatever it is, don't buy into the lie don't accept the lie. So, and this is key for not just faith, but anything in a worldly perspective that goes into your lower conscience. Don't accept something until you know it's good and beneficial. Then accept it. And when you accept it, <clears throat> at the moment you accept it, that's when it goes into your heart. When you accept something, that's when it goes into your heart, whether good or bad, whether functional or dysfunctional. When you agree with it, and somebody might say, well, I don't agree with somebody, you know, somebody was uh, abusing me and, and I don't agree with that. But you find yourself in an abusive relationship. Why? Because you accepted the fact that, well, this is just the way it is. And so I have to accept it because I don't think there's anything I can do about it. Instead of, no, I don't care how many times you beat me. I will never accept that this is okay. Never. Now, there's a difference because, well, what if I need to take a beating from God from a discipline perspective? I need to have the caning because I did wrong. Well, uh, I'm going to accept that. Why? Because it's true. It's right. It's it's fair. It's okay. It's just like uh, I had a boss of mine that uh, 
used to yell at a lot of people and he didn't yell at me except for one time. And when he did yell at me, he was in the right. And I knew he was in the right and I accepted. (laughs) And I just, when he was saying what he was saying, he was getting his piece out. I was like, yep, you're right. You, you're right. You're right. There's nothing I can say. I'm not going to try to make it better. I'm not going to try to make an excuse. You are right. I stepped out onto the platform without a safety harness on, and he walked out the door. I'm, what am I? No, I didn't. No. Yeah, you're right. But I accepted that because I knew that it was true. I knew that it was, I. as well as also knowing that you were uh, caught it doing it, but I knew that it was true. So there was no argument about it. It was just, you're right. And whatever, if there's a consequence for it, then I'll take the consequence and it all worked out. But that was the, the one time because, and I was truly in the wrong in that. And so I accepted it, but if he, and there was one other time when he started to, and I cut him off. I was like, no, I'm not letting you do this. And I, let me explain to you why first. And then you'll see that you're, you're raising your voice is not going to make a difference because, and then when I explained the situation to him, then he, I uh, calmed down quickly and I uh, realized that I was actually, I was in the right in that situation. And so truly a matter of what you accept and what you reject is truly up to you. And it's up to you to make sure that it's good for you, truly good for you, not just makes you feel good because things that make you feel good are a lot of times not good for you. And this is why uh, circumcision of the heart get you know, get rid of the the things, a lot of the things that feel good, not everything, but things that, that feel good that are not of a benefit to you. But this is the whole concept and process between which people have shaped who they are today is based on what they've accepted and what they've rejected. And in order to change, you have to change. You have to accept that you're wrong you have to accept that it's it's you're the problem, not the Bible. That when the Bible says in him there is no sin and you know you sin, you have to accept the fact that that's true. If you don't accept that, no, I accepted Jesus. What? No, you have to accept the fact that you're wrong. The Bible's right. God's right. And when you do that, then you start to program in, but sometimes you have to get in and knock walls down to be able to see what's behind the wall in order to determine whether you're just going to take that thing and completely throw it out, toss it in the dumpster, or you're going to keep it because it's got some good qualities to it, but I'm going to control it by putting the good qualities into it and making sure the bad qualities are removed from it. And therefore, I build a good wall with something in there behind a door that I know the door is there. It's kind of like an order, orderly perspective. When you start to 
put your mind in order, then you can go into your lower conscience and you can open a door appropriately, let that out, and then when the right amount has come out, you close the door and then you go to the next one. And you, But you can't open a door if you didn't put a door there to open it. You put it in, you accepted it, but you didn't like it. And if you accepted it but didn't like it, then that's one of those places that has a wall and your mind walls off areas so that you can function better in life. If, if I don't have to think about that. But what happens is, is every once in a while, when that thing behind that wall starts making a lot of noise, well, you don't even know where that noise is coming from because you've built that wall and it just drives you crazy because I don't, I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know. Well, that's, that's where, why a lot of people have the mental and emotional conditions that they have today is because of all the walls that are built up. And we want to knock the walls down and then we want to rebuild walls either putting something new in that wall behind that wall uh, or making modifications, but we can only modify it after we've torn down the wall and then start building the wall with the door. So we have access to it when we know it's appropriate and then we don't access it when it's not appropriate. I want to go back to statement you made about with, with Yah that, beg people begging you and just wanting things from them. And I had this concept of, and we had talked about this before we're looking at the mob or the mafia and looking at it from a fate perspective. And I just had this thought of the movie years ago, the Godfather, where you had the, the Godfather, the, the leader of the, the group and then his son and then the advisors and just thinking about the prayers that the people that are praying for somebody to be healed and we need to get a prayer chain and we need to get prayer warriors and we need to get as many people as possible to pray. And people are under the programming that if you think that you have more people, that that will convince God to change their mind. And uh, what's going on, what you had said about the one righteous man, that we're even told by Messiah, the people that claim that Messiah is their Lord, that he says, you're not going to be heard by your many words and all your repetitions. That do you not think that the father knows what you need before you ask that Abba and Ema know what you need. But a lot of times what will happen is, is that you won't ask for what you need. It's what you want. And it made me think of that, the, the very first beginning scene of the movie, the Godfather, where the Godfather's in his office and they had somebody come in to talk to him. Well, I had discovered this, this came out in one of our church gatherings about where Yah made the statement of that the prayers of my people have made its way to me and getting understanding, coming to the understanding of is that in order for it to come, for it to get to God's ears, you have to follow what's been put in place for God to be able to hear it. And it's not a hundred thousand people asking, please God, heal this person. Please God, heal this person. It takes that one prayer that's in the right mindset to get to their ears. And it made me think of Messiah that there's a time where you're going to speak to me and I'll speak to the father. It's like that he'll hear it because the son is his son and his family. He'll listen to his family. So Michael or 
at that point was Michael Corleone, that he'll come in and he'll speak to the father and he'll listen to his son. But there'll be a time when you're in the family that you can come in and talk to the father face to face. And and that's the thing is that you could have 10,000 people screaming outside of the building that they want to speak to the, the Godfather and he's not even going to pay him any attention because that hasn't made its way to me. But when there's a message that's important, that's in their will of the family that they'll come and whisper in his ear and it'll make its way to his ear and okay, well I will do that. And that's what we, we have with Messiah is that well, father, uh, not my will, but yours be done. I'm asking for this, but it's in your hands and I'm not going to ask again and I'll leave it in your hands. And what a show of, of respect for God that you're not coming back because if you keep begging over and over, do you really have confidence that I'm going to do this thing? Why do you keep asking me the same thing over and over? Do you not believe in what I'm going to do? Why do you keep asking? And we even have this in the old Testament where I remember with Moses that God told him, don't bring this to me again, that, or he'll say, I've heard the people and I'm not going to listen to you. So think about that. Somebody that's living a life of sin that God will say, I'm not listening to that. So you can, you can weep, you can wail, you can fast, and I'm not going to listen to you. So you can keep doing it, but it's not going to make any difference. So find the place where the prayer will get to me, where you seek with all your heart, you repent to me, and then the prayer will get to me and I'll hear it and I'll answer. But so many times because of the programming and the feel good, well, yeah, you know, you'll, you'll pray and God will do it. And, and you know, the situation I'm talking about, people will ask for the healing and God do this specific healing. Don't pray for this, pray for this. It's like you're thinking that God is your own personal secretary. And we've had that before. My wife was told by God that I'm not your personal secretary. And think about that because she was just asking a question on, well, could I know who my daughter's teacher is going to be? You know, I'm just asking a question just so, cause I want to know. And God told her that I'm not your personal secretary. I'm not here to do the things that you just want me to do. I'm not a butler that I'm not here just to serve you whenever you want to give you whatever you want. And it's a good lesson for all of us as well, is that don't look at God as a, your own personal servant that will you just ask God for something and then they do it. And then, no, don't do that. The God is who they are. They're perfect. They do things according to their will, just like we do things according to our will. Are, are you going to do something that's not in your will? People won't. Or if you do it, you do it begrudgingly. But God does what they do according to their will. So make sure that our will follows in line with God's will to where we can decide that we want to live in that will as well. And then it will go well for us. But yeah, so many people just because of the feel good or just thinking that don't think that because the more people that are supposedly in faith that God will hear. No, make sure that you're righteous. And when you're righteous, then you'll know that God hears you because the word says that we know that he hears us because we do what is pleasing in his sight because we obey his commands. That's the guarantee of knowing God's going to hear you, but they'll hear you because you're asking according to their will, not because of just something you want. Yeah, it really all goes back to the brainwashing and mind control. It's what what you're letting wash your brain and what you're letting control your 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 mind. Uh, and so many people have no idea, no clue, and even psychologists and psychiatrists of today don't know and understand the depth of 
the subconscious and how it plays a factor in your life and the fact that you can change it. There is the ability to change, uh, but it's not going to change with ease. There's going to be a uh, process and it has to be a process with determination and it has to be a process with, with practice. And I, uh, instead of somebody thinking about practice makes perfect, we want people to practice to perfection, meaning that your goal in your practice is to get the absolute best that you possibly can and you will not quit until you reach perfection. And so that's the whole concept of perfecting that as you're practicing, you make a mistake. You're not okay with that mistake, but you don't have to beat yourself up. You're like, okay, that was wrong. How do I adjust? Let me, and I go back and I do it again and do it again. Okay, I think I got it now. Now I'm going to go through the song again or whatever uh, you're doing in order to do it from a right perspective. And if I can't uh, speak the importance of anything else, be very, very, very careful as to what you accept. And if you don't like it, don't agree with it. And if you don't agree with it, it won't go into your lower conscience. It goes into your lower conscience when you agree with it. Whether you like it or not doesn't determine whether you agree with it. If there's, I don't like this, but then you're, you're allowing that into your subconscious as a self-preservation, a self-protection thing. And don't do that. Make sure what you're doing is appropriate. Make sure it's right. Make sure it is something that is truly uh, acceptable from God. And that's the key. In order to do this optimally to the best for you, having faith in God and then letting God be the one to be able to show you inside those walls that you have and we, we still have a lot of walls in the lower conscience that we have no idea what's going on and why it's going on. But the more we listen to ourselves, the more we dig into the subconscious, the more we uh, ask God, we cry aloud for understanding. We, we call out for insight. We seek as though we're seeking for hidden treasure. We will be able to see behind more and more walls, which will give us the ability to start the practice of tearing that wall down and then starting from scratch and building it up, knowing what's behind that door, the door is labeled. And so I'll go to that door when it's necessary, but I'm not just going to just off the wall, go to that door or, or fall in that room. And a lot of people will do this. They will get, they will fall into one of those rooms. And now they're trapped on the other side of the wall. They're trapped in the side of all that stuff is running through their mind because they've fallen into the other side of the wall and they can't get out of it because there's no door. And so it's, it's a detriment to not have a door that's labeled that you, okay, 
I know what's behind this door. And when it's appropriate to access it, I'll access it. Is it appropriate to access laughter and joking at a funeral? Well, no. People would say, well, no. I'm, I mean, I may have a joke come to mind, but I'll wait until later on when we're not here at the funeral because you shouldn't do that. Well, that's a perfect example of how you control what's in your subconscious. Came to mind, you take the thought captive. No, it's not appropriate in this situation to tell this joke. And so I'm going to wait. Well, you just did what we were talking about. You, you, the door joke. Nope, I'm not opening that door. So, but how many times do you fall into that room where you do something that's inappropriate in a situation just because you don't know of anything else to do or you just, you're not thinking about how this is going to affect somebody else? Just had something come to mind with that. Have you ever, I don't know if you did these as a kid that you'll have a, used to be in the newspaper or maybe in, not in the comics, but something where you would have a you would go through a maze and you would have to start at one end and kind of work your way through. It came to mind, like put yourself as though, let's say you're looking at the paper and that little maze is right in front of you. Well, put as though you're hovering over that maze and you're looking down into your lower conscience. And then Yah is looking at it and they'll say, and you'll say, Yah, help me to see what I'm not seeing. And Yah will look down there and they'll say, what about this right here? And then you can, you can see somebody like you're going and you're just stuck in that note going to come out of there and move around. And it made me think of y'all being able to see where the walls are, but, and we'll, by experience, we'll be in there, but make sure that you can figure out, okay, which ones have doors. And cause I'm just thinking about this. Sometimes I'll be just sitting there thinking about something and then I'll feel something within me. And it's like, wonder what this is. Why am I thinking this? And it made me think about what you said about the wall, that there's something rattling behind that wall that doesn't have a door. So you really have to, y'all help me to see. And y'all will say, kind of lean over and say, do you see that? Oh, I, I never noticed that before. Well, I'm not doing that again. Then you start coming out of that, that area. But what happens is, is that, no, I don't want to deal with it. I'm not doing that. I'm well, then you just stay locked behind the really behind the wall walled in. It's like that makes me think of the uh, Edgar Allan Poe story where the guy and thing was called the cask of the Amontillado where the guy buried somebody within a wall. And it's like, you just buried yourself behind a wall that has no door. Well, you have the ability to knock the wall down with faith in God that no, you don't have to stay behind these walls and be walled in and you can get out, but you have to be willing to, to say, no, I'm going to do what it takes to figure out why I'm trapped because how many times in the past have we been trapped by our own programming that, people do what they do and they don't even know what they're doing and you've trapped yourself in and you don't even know how to get yourself out, but you're willing to, well, it's just the way it is or it's too hard or if it's, if it's not going to be easy and then you just live behind a walled uh, place with no door and that's not any place to live to, you don't have the freedom to go in and out and things like that. But just had that come to mind that y'all can help you to see where you're trapped. But if you think you can figure it out on your own, you're just going to be banging your head against the wall. And you may be able to figure out some worldly things, but you're definitely not going to be able to figure out the faith thing, that's for sure. Because, again, to be able to do it in the worldly gives you the ability to do it in the spiritual. 
uh, if I teach you worldly things and you do not understand, how will you understand spiritual things? And so there is a concept in what we're saying that you can work through like issues and, and problems you have. You Maybe you have worry or you have anxiety or you have depression. You can work through those and break those walls down and rebuild and get to a place where no i'm going to feel pressure but i'm going to push back i'm not going to be depressed i'm not going to be anxious i'm not going to have these things but you're going to have to have situations come up that you have to face in order for you to be able to put that into practice and so uh just another another podcast of truth here uh just revealing the realities of the subconscious and uh, how that plays a part in your life and in your faith journey. And just want to encourage people that uh, this is a huge thing to be uh, digging into your subconscious. It's the only way that you're going to be able to actually recognize what's good, what's bad, what's acceptable, what's not make changes in your life in accordance with that. And then, when you have uh, the faith in God, then you just continue to ask them to help you to see the areas you can't see, and they will do it as long as you're looking for it. They're not just going to show you and say, oh, well, we're just going to take this to show them. Now, there may be things that they'll put circumstances in front of you in hopes that you'll open your eyes to see it, but they're not going to open your eyes. You have to open your own eyes. And so with the... Uh, brainwashing and mind control it continues it has an ever it has an, uh, the, an effect on every part of your life whether good or bad and just seek god with all of your heart cry out for insight call out for understanding and seek for it as though you're seeking for hidden treasure and then you will gain the knowledge and the wisdom of god and god will point out to you the things that are necessary that you need now because if they dumped everything on you at one time, you couldn't mentally, you couldn't handle it. You'd, you'd have a complete mental meltdown. And so seek God, make sure that what you accept is from God uh, and it is truth. And then work through it, figure out how you're going to carry it out to the best of your ability. You know, for Sean and myself, we're going to, Sign off for this morning, and we will be, Lord willing, we will be with you again on Tuesday, 7.30, uh, just seeing what y'all's going to bring as we continue in this faith journey, seeking to please God and not self. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. 
Seek the hidden treasure of God and you will be blessed by it.